This is the Church Security Made Simple podcast, giving leaders practical solutions to help make your community safer. I'm your host, Simon Osmo, and I'm on a mission to keep his churches safe. Now, it's been over 10 years since the Lord called me into security ministry, and as a national church safety practitioner supporting churches across the country, I'll share my expertise to give you simple solutions to keep your church safe. So if you're ready to make your church security simple, come join me and let's dive into this week's episode as we learn how to plan, prepare and protect our ministries. Well, well, Nate, really good to have this conversation with you. I know when we met last year at FBSN, it really made me laugh because some people were like, why are you talking to that guy? Isn't he your competitor? And I was like, no, there, there is no competitors. We're all just, you know, we're just friends in this, trying to keep his kingdom um, safe. So it, it did amaze me a little bit that people thought we shouldn't be, be talking. But, you know, met you, um, you know, it's really good to get to know you and become a friend. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you taking the time to come onto the podcast today. Yeah, man, I I really appreciate it too. And, and uh, I got a lot of those questions too. You know, people were... Uh, people were like, aren't you guys in the same industry? But really the industry that we're in is protecting human lives, you know, right. serving God and doing it in an honorable manner. And this is, this is all about relationship and what our ultimate goal, even, even our owners will straight up tell you, we hope that what we provide is the biggest waste of time um, because we hope that you never need it. But unfortunately, yeah. Uh, the world that we live in, people do need it. And there's not enough uh, Stratagos employees to go around. There's not, I mean, we could we could just multiply everything that we do and we still wouldn't even come close to scratching the surface. So um, when we have an opportunity to uh, just partner with and have synergy with uh, individuals like yourself and, and who run these outstanding businesses to keep people safe, there's nothing that could keep us from doing that. We want to uh, ultimately cultivate those relationships to help keep God's people safe. Yeah, amen, brother, amen. So well, let's start off a little bit about, um, tell us about you, and then tell us what you do at Stratagos, and then we'll take the, the conversation from there. Well, what's interesting is uh, I'm I'm probably the least qualified out of all of the people at Stratagos to do what I do, and it, it was extremely humbling to be selected by Stratagos to be able to work with them and to be able to uh, uh, represent them. But uh, I'm I'm Nathan Briggs, and I'm married to an absolutely beautiful, wonderful woman that has put up with me for 20 years. I've got three teenage daughters, and I always say, I have no idea how God thought that I would be able to handle having three teenage daughters, you know? That's uh, a lot of estrogen in one house. And oh, my goodness, brother. Oh, man. <laughs> like, he really is. So, <laughs> um, but, man, my girls, they're absolutely outstanding. We've got a dog, but he's neutered, too. And so, yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I think that shows that God has a great sense of humor. But uh, after high school, I went into the United States Marine Corps and, and uh, served some time in the infantry there. Uh, whenever I got out is whenever I actually met my wife. And then I went into law enforcement and and uh, had some uh, wonderful time there, being able to uh, serve my community of, of just outside of Kansas City. 
And I uh, really loved that. Was able to do some investigations and, and patrol and, and help out on the SWAT team with uh, the sniper team and stuff. And and that was an absolute blast. It really was. And It sounds like wherever you are, you've got um, helicopters going over you. <laughs> there, There is an airport next to us. Um, and we're coming into a town, so the semis uh, tend to slow down, and they they can be a little loud for their. Oh, was it a truck? Was it? It sounded like yeah, it sounded no. like an airplane was going over. So if my listeners were here, I was like, sounds like he's on like a an air force base or something. <laughs> uh, I wish, I do wish that'd be fun, but um, yeah, I I apologize for the sound there. Oh no, don't worry. Yeah, so so you spent and tell us a bit about your time in law enforcement. So I know, like me, you're a former law enforcement officer. So yeah, and um, what what do you do there? It was really cool for us to connect on that level as well, um, and everybody within uh, um, within Stratagos as a whole, they they have military and or law enforcement experience, especially our instructors and and uh, our protectors. And so, for me, uh, I I got to spend uh, some really good time developing great relationships with uh, with those guys on patrol with me and stuff and uh you know just serving uh general crimes whenever i went into the detective unit i was there for about three years and and uh was able to investigate uh general crimes for the most part and that was that was a blast man it, it really was i will tell you well i'm certainly not a fan of paperwork and so that part of it was kind of a drag but uh but being able to get into uh, into SWAT and doing special operations and stuff. That was that was just so much fun. It was it was a whole lot of fun. We um, we got to do things that that would really make most people uh, maybe a little scared or apprehensive and a little worried. But uh, but I think God built me and designed me to be able to thrive in those areas. And uh, and so much of what I learned in there, uh, I'm able to take that knowledge and that information to really share with the people that we serve to give them a better understanding of how to uh, remain calm and composed under under extreme pressure. But, so how did you go from law enforcement then to Stratagos? So you're within Stratagos, there's like sort of different verticals, right? And one of them is obviously the, the faith um, component. How did you sort of end up, end up there? Yeah. So interestingly enough, when I was in law enforcement, I was actually up in our uh, in our break room over which overlooks our patrol lot, and I I remember just looking down at at this this patrol lot, and, and it was a beautiful day, and I remember just saying, God, thank you for letting me do this, because it was it was really kind of a dream come true. And he said, You're not going to be here long, and I said, What? Like mm-hmm. that just to hear that right then just really kind of floored me. Um, because I expected that to be a career, you know, like I expected to be there for until I retired. And, but he said something after that very specific, he said, I want you to affect your area of influence. And that kind of struck me as, as pretty wild because at the time really, I didn't feel like I was someone that was influential. And, um, however, my wife and I, we were coming out of this season where uh, the first three years in law enforcement, I consider to be like the devastation phase. You know, you're seeing things you should never have to see, hearing things you should never have to hear, you know, and all of the stuff that comes along with that. It's it's a massive shock to the conscience, and it causes a lot of people to um, 
to handle and process things in a in a way that sometimes aren't very uh, productive. You know, they aren't very healthy for people. And uh, I had fallen in some of that myself. And it really put my wife and I's relationship in a bad spot. Um, and, you know, literally she was like, she was on her way to the courthouse to divorce me. And uh, fortunately, her, her father, uh, my father-in-law is such an awesome man. And, and uh, my mother-in-law, they, they wanted to meet with Brittany for, uh, for lunch. And it just happened to be right there. You know, God totally intervened and they, they were able to talk to her and, and they asked her a very specific question. They said, do you feel like that, um, that Nathan can't change? And, and she told him, she said, his heart is hard, like mm. and it's hard. And they said, do you feel like that the God that created the universe can't take that hard heart and, and make it pliable? And she said, I, I believe that, um, that he has free will and, and he's chosen what he wants to do. And so even at, even with that, and that being her, her thought process, they, they were able to encourage her to stay with me and work it out. And this was many, many, many years ago. And man, I'll tell you what, like now we have so much better of a relationship. Like it's, it's better now than the day we were married. Seriously. Like I love her so much more. She's so amazing. And, and all the things that God did with us in our relationship and how he brought restoration, he truly did soften my heart. He truly did bring me back around to, um, to somebody that represented him, you know, to somebody that would reflect him and he, he knows our future. And so, so with that, that influential part that God wanted was we saw all of the things that people were struggling with on a very significant basis. And, and he started giving us vision and passion to be able to bring in like-minded individuals to be able to love on them and, and minister to them and, and show them how, you know, point them to Christ and how to get their life back on track because you've got all these, these warriors that, um, that are protectors God put in their heart to be protectors, but they were wounded. They were jaded. They were, um, they were hurt and they were dealing with post-traumatic stress issues and stuff. And, and, you know, everything from, uh, physical, mental, emotional, financial, relational issues. And my wife and I, we had been through so much of that stuff and, we were living proof that God can fix that, that God can heal that, that he will restore and he is the redeemer. And so that was, that was what he was talking about. Whenever he was calling me out of that, he wanted me to draw in us to draw in these people. And so we had, we had started a, a business and then a, a ministry for first responders, you know, uh, firefighters, law enforcement, um, uh, military members in the MS and, and their families, and, and through that, we, we had worked with Stratagos and stuff kind of hand in hand on, on some things and developed some great relationships there. And actually one of my best friends that we were on patrol together, our kids grew up together and stuff. He's the, uh, the vice president of operations at Stratagos now. And so they, they called us up and, and asked me to come in for an interview and stuff. I, I, didn't know that that was the direction that that I'd even be interested in going. But one thing that I've always told God is I will do what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want, with no strings attached. Like if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and that's not always that's not always easy to walk out. I assure you. 
but yeah. it's absolutely necessary to walk out. Um, and so through that, Stratagos was actually purchasing a, another company called Clarence Kelly and Associates, which was uh, physical protection and like high level investigations. Mr. Kelly was the second director of the FBI and um, they brought me in to help manage uh, that merger and stuff. And that was that was really kind of what got me in the door. And then about a, a year or two later after being there, uh, an opportunity opened itself up on on the church side, which is really where my heart is, you know, obviously. <laughs> And so I had an opportunity to be able to uh, slide over there and and really start to invest my time and, and energy and efforts in helping God's people again. And so that's really kind of what got me to Stratagos. And, you know, Simon, one of the one of the crazy things I think I've told you this before is that the company that I was working with before, even in law enforcement and, and everything like where you are in life, you feel like you've got a pretty good grip on things. You know, you feel like you've got a pretty good understanding of everything and, and, uh, you can, you can do this, you know, but then I came over into Stratagos and started working with people that I'm telling you, man, they're like, they're, they're the best of the best. I've, I've never, I've never had an experience to work with, with people that are, are so one, have a passionate heart for God, but then two, that know this this field this industry inside and out and uh, it's extremely humbling you know i'm i'm sitting here going wow i thought i knew what i was doing until yeah. i got here and, and it is a real um almost really incredible and thank you for sharing that um part of your journey i think it really helps to understand contextually the sort of backstory as to you know sort of why you're here and doing what you're, you're doing and i think um I felt like it was like Jimmy Meeks um, say this once when I interviewed him. And I think he was saying, tragically, on, on like his 10th wedding anniversary, I think mean, his 10th wedding anniversary, um, he got caught to a dumpster where he found a young child that had been murdered. I think the kid was like three or four years old, having been discarded in a dumpster. You know? And he said something which was really profound. I've always remembered it. He said, you know, Simon, as humans, similar to what you just said, Nate, you know, we're not designed to see that level of trauma. Not and I think sometimes as police officers, I know there's a lot of people in church security, but, you know, aren't, aren't for police officers or for my military, you know, our body isn't designed to see that level of trauma. And I think what you went through with your wife, I, mean, I can raise my hand and say, I've been there as well, where, you know, you're not necessarily opening them up because, you know, that's what we do as law enforcement and security. You know, we keep that stuff to us because we don't want you to see the hurt and the pain we don't need to see how broken the, the world is and what we're dealing with but yeah we're not you're not designed to deal with that level of trauma so it's really good that god sort of brought you back um to to sort of serve in serve in that way yeah so let's let's crack in so so um for the listeners i said to nate so i wanted to sort of go over like sort of five trends when i sort of was seeing across the country in 2022 and i don't know if nate if they're the same five for nate but we'll go through and just get some of his perspective on primarily working with with churches and we'll we'll just go through hopefully we'll get through the five for this podcast if we're not we'll do another recording but we'll try and get get through them and the first thing that i was seeing nate um a trend in 2022 was the increased use of technology particularly people looking for for government grants and um when I when I look at that, a lot of people are starting to focus now on like card access, using card access with cameras as a safeguard against 
active shooter to sort of lock down your your building. I mean, have you been, uh, we've been talking to people across the country, you've seen the same type of thing about, you know, how can we improve our technology to keep our church safe? Absolutely, we are. Um, we have, Simon, you and I have, have seen this on a couple different, uh, we've, we've discussed this before that we have some churches that literally don't do anything, literally nothing whatsoever to protect themselves. Um, it goes across the board from people believing that it's not um, biblically, morally, ethically correct to do that, which which the word totally backs up that it is absolutely biblically, biblically morally, and ethically correct to do that. But then we have, and it runs the gamut all the way up to uh, churches that have phenomenal um, access control and cameras and, and, you know, all of the technology necessary to be able to help um, what we call force multipliers. So even even these churches that have very few people on a on a safety security ministry, they can be extremely effective just by using these force multipliers. And some of them, a lot of them don't have a safety security budget whatsoever. They they haven't even thought about it. Some of them have great a great budget for it. And and uh, the ones that that see the need for it, that understand that, hey, even if they don't want to be able to respond to a, a lethal force incident themselves, they can still take preventative measures to keep the threat outside, if at all possible. They can still take measures to be able to move people uh, into the next safe location to be able to lock out, you know, the the ability to be able to use access control and cameras and radios to be able to communicate and, and move people strategically throughout the, the building is just, uh, it's incredible. It's a tool that, that all of us need to try our very best to be able to utilize to the best of our ability. Yeah, and actually today I went to do a risk assessment of a legal aid, um, Minnesota legal aid um, here where I live. And I was telling them about a nonprofit security grant program and, and it was all, all new to them, but I really want to make sure the listeners um, sort of acknowledge and listen to this, but there is a federal program. Now, now a lot of people don't like taking federal money. Um, right. the, the, the non-profit security grant program is designed to help you enhance your technology because the church that I go to, I'm blessed, Nate, that we've got, um, we've got three locations, three or four locations. And when I go to a building, our facilities manager, I just text him and say, hey, I'm outside the building. It doesn't matter where he is. He's at Costco, River Shopping. You know, on his phone, ding, he just lets me in. And I think that is, that's definitely one of the trends that I was seeing last year is we've got to try and move to technology because, you know, that is the, that is the way forward. Um, yeah. yeah, it has to be. And like you said, a lot of small churches don't have the budget, but it's really just starting small and just, just doing something to, to get your program, your physical security program moving forward. Absolutely. Take step start that's the biggest thing start um do whatever that you can to be to be putting money aside have goals if you don't have your your short-term midterm and long-term goals if you don't set those you're never going to take the first step you know um taking the first step is absolutely huge and you did mention the um, nonprofit security grant and people need you said it's it's very important for them to know right now. It, it's very important for them to know now because getting those grants can be very difficult and they are time consuming um, when you don't know what to expect. And a lot of people, what I've found is they don't know that those are available until they're already opened up. And then you have just a couple weeks to get this information put together, put together in the right order and submit it. Yeah. Um, and if, 
if they understand that that's going to be a possibility, which it absolutely is, they, they've been consistently opening up more funds each year. Um, the state of Missouri, for some reason, like every church that I talk to, no one got the, the grant this year. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I do. They didn't like me. Well, it all came to Minneapolis where I am. Yeah, I, think. I mean, with the, the, the world, Minneapolis just went crazy for the last two yeah. years. So, you know, less said about that, the better. But, and, and it's true. And I think, you know, one thing I would say to the listeners, just to reinforce what Nate said, is that it's my understanding and it's my belief the reason why the government do this is they want to make sure that church is safe because they know but we're open door venues and we're a definition of a soft target. So, you know, you might find some opposition inside your church, but the only reason they give you this money is they want you to enhance your security because they have acknowledged that we are a soft target. So, you know, I'll allow you to sort of work for any politics, but I do hear people say, well, my church doesn't want to take federal money, but you've got to understand they're giving you the money to enhance your security. But there is there is no catch. There is no catch. Yep. The second one, Nate, um, that I had is I was seeing a greater emphasis on mental health and emotional well-being. Now, I know we're going to talk about how to shoot in a minute. I know that Stratagos has got a course. I've got a course. And I'm going to put my head above the parapet here. It's been blown off by a lot of people. But a lot of people on Facebook, it's all guns, 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 and guns. But I think there was a level set last year where people realized that the emotional well-being and the mental illness epidemic that we're seeing across the US really takes a lot of priority because, you know, there's people unmedicated, there's people untreated, uh, through COVID and then the, the race and reconciliation has gone on throughout the world. I think it's really put the US in a bad, bad place. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you've necessarily seen, but I, I have a, I have seen a level set where Finally, the firearms have sort of gone below what is most probably important right now is is looking at people's emotional well-being and and mental illness. Yeah, that that plays a massive part in in us us even having a job. You know, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate that the things that we do are necessary, but if you look at at the trends over the last um, twenty or thirty years and the removal of God from uh, from our schools, from church, from state, and then the the influx of of media, media, the pressures and stuff, the uh, the way that um, that people are self medicating, and, and and that's not just uh, self medicating with drugs and alcohol, but self medicating in in multiple different uh, areas and avenues. Um, it's Satan wants to do whatever he can to get our eyes off of. Christ being our our ultimate, you know, he's he's our our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's he's the great physician. He's the one that heals. He's the one that saves. Um, and if he can get our eyes and our focus off of him, then uh, it leaves us distracted. And so that that distraction leads us to social media and to all these different things. And I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. It's it it's can definitely be a, a phenomenal thing. But I believe that it's definitely helping to to push this um, uh, struggles that people are dealing with with mental health and stuff. And those things are massive. You know, uh, one of the one of the big things with active shooters and stuff is is and I've I've heard this on your show. I've seen it in your books and stuff. Which your books are awesome, by the way. Just a little plug there. Looks always nice. Yeah, yeah. Feed feed a plug in every ten minutes. That's always nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, anybody that reads them, literally everybody that reads them, uh, they love them. So keep up the great work there. But um, the the thing is, is that uh, we have seen this this growing epidemic, really, and and a lot of it drives from people wanting to set the next record, the next highest record. They want the highest body count, and whenever they see all these different things being blasted out about um, this person, you know, killed this many people and injured this many people, that drives them. It fuels their desire to uh, to want to go out to make a name for themselves. You know, they've they've always felt like they were the victims, and now they want to be the victimizer. They've never done anything. Uh, they don't view themselves as ever doing anything wrong, but other people have done them wrong their whole lives. And a lot of times, you know, they they legitimately have gone through some very significant trauma in their lives. Um, but their their ideologies and things, I think that they're they're it's really being a a um, uh, a growing significant problem that that the media and the world that we live in right now, full of evil, is driving that. You know, yeah, um, and we're all having to deal with it. That's a great message, and you know, it was really good to see that as for me being a seeing a trend that people are doing more on the emotional well-being. Actually, cool. uh, my church, I think we're going to try and do it sometime this year. I think our security director is going to do a whole day's training about sort of emotional well-being, crisis intervention, because you know we we, we train for what. We don't want to happen, which is active shooter, but that is a small percentage. The day-to-day stuff is the medicals, it is the you know CPR, it is yeah. fire, and it is dealing with the epidemic of mental illness. So I think um, for for this year, twenty twenty-three, people do need to sort of look in that direction more. And again, I'm not saying the firearms isn't. I like going to the range, like the next guy, you know. But but the, the important stuff is around the, the mental illness. And I want to move on to. Um, where do I have it in here now? I thought, it, yeah, it is it, number three, because I know um, me and Nate differ on on this view now. So the first trend I saw was more churches are coming forward for out to shoot a training. And I'm, I'm joking a little bit here. So I I still teach, and I'm going to say this qualifier, Nate, I still teach for a run, hide, fight, but, but for Nate, I, I, I adapt it in my own way. I really go into detail as to what the run, what the hide, what the fight means. And, and me and Nate often spar back and forth on this. And at some point, uh, Stratagos has been very kind and they're going to invite me to go through their course because Nate is convinced it's going to change my mindset. But let, let's tackle the third one then, that more churches doing active shooter training. So share some stuff about, I know you've got a different strategy than run, run, hide, fight. We do. We uh, we use what's uh, what we call the three outs model, and it's lock out, get out, and take out. And that's not in a linear format whatsoever. It's all uh, in proximity to the threat, where the threat is, what you do um, to be able to get to another safe place. What is your what is your next option? And um. I can't wait to get you into one of our trainings, Simon. Honestly, you're going out. Well, if I do, I'm going to have to rewrite a lot of my material, so I'm going to have to try you and keep delaying for a while. Hey, it's re- another book long. I have to read the first Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, you know, with the active shooter situation, um, what I have found is that there are, it's almost like there's a split right down the middle, uh, and maybe not percentage-wise, but there's a split down the middle as far as, as, the thought process of do we need firearms or not you know and and the ones that say no we don't they absolutely are 
adamantly against it. The ones say that, yes, we do. A lot of times feel like that firearms are the only solution. And that's simply not the case. Whenever people ask us that question, and we get asked that question all the time, should we be armed or should we not be armed? And what we tell them is you need to pray about it. And whatever God tells you to do, that's what you need to do. That's that's what you need to do. We're the whole we are the body of Christ and and your church might have a totally different culture than mine and vice versa. And the people that you have there might um, not be the right people to carry firearms. You know, if if anyone does decide to um, take make the choice to have a a purpose driven tool that can actually end someone's life, then they absolutely need to train with it. They've got to be responsible because if not, you, you could very well be introducing um, more problem to an already existing problem, and that's just not what you want to do. You need to, um, you need to have the, uh, the maturity to say, you know what, I do need more training. Just because I went and got a license and I took a test and I put a few rounds on a little plate or something, that doesn't mean that, that somebody is, is qualified to make those rational decisions in the heat of a, a very violent, rapidly evolving incident. You know, and so and I don't want to say where I did my power of the carry. I think mine expires this year or next. But you know, it was three or four hours in the classroom, and then you, I, I brought my MMP to the range, and I think I fired two shots. It didn't really matter where it went, as long as long as the firearm had been discharged, and you went back to the classroom and got your stuff. So I mean, it is. And again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk badly about. A lot of firearms seems at churches, but I think what Nate said there is true. It would be, but the training is important. And I have like a 90 minute awareness class, which is online, and Stratagos have like an entire day or two days. So, I mean, whether you, you know, take my training or Stratagos's training, you know, I think a trend this year has to be invest in yourself yes. to improve your firearm skills wow. and invest in, your, in yourself in your critical thinking because not only being proficient in today's world is not enough, you've got to have the critical thinking skills to make sure you're making sound decisions because those incidents happen in a split second um, and, you know, you, you've got to make sure you've got a default that you're going to go to um, because, yeah, we, we don't want to get things wrong. Yeah, and those in those situations, you have an untrained reaction or you can have a trained response. And, and just like you know... Um, Whenever you are in that moment, whenever you're in a in a very critical incident, it usually takes roughly seven to thirteen seconds to be able to um, for an untrained person to actually cope with what's going on and get in the right frame of mind to be able to uh, actually respond appropriately. Uh, and that's what we want everyone to do. Just like you said, invest in yourself, invest in your team. Invest in the people that are protectors at your at your church, at your um, uh, your body of worship, so that you set yourself up for success. You know, if you don't do that, then you don't you literally don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of training, and that is yes. that's across the board. It's an absolute proven fact. And yeah. so, uh, what what you will find anytime you go to a Stratagos training is we will tell you, we have a lot of training. We can train you from uh, from absolutely no experience whatsoever up to um, uh, certified and qualified to uh, to be able to train and instruct in almost everything that we do. And we have everything from firearms to verbal and physical de-escalation to medical and all these different things. We, you know, we'll come to you, but 
what you'll find is we will say, you don't have to come to us. Go somewhere though, invest mm -hmm. in yourselves. You know, um, I literally, you probably heard me across the hall from you at the FBSN. I literally sent somebody over to you because I said, yeah. you know what, what Simon has right now, um, I think that that's what you need, you know? And, yeah. and because the point is we want people to be safe. You know, it's not about making money. It's about saving lives and giving them an opportunity uh, to live and thrive um, and prevail in horrible situations. Yeah, and I agree that it was a trend I saw last year because it, it is so important. I mean, echo what you said is just, you know, find the course that resonates with you and, and go through it. Um, the fourth one I saw was um, interesting. Actually, I did a risk assessment last week where this came up as well, but the, the use of social, social media and sort of mass notification um, communications is something that I also saw. And I was quite surprised at this, but I went to a lot of churches last year that had a lot of online threats. And maybe it was because of the, the pandemic with a lot of people not being in service. But a lot of people woke up saying, oh, actually, Simon, you said we might need to look on our Facebook page and see what people are saying about us. Or, you know, we, we might need to run some Google alerts with our church name to see what people are saying. Yeah, you might need to do that. Um, because I, I worked with several clients who did have what could be considered credible threats through social media. Um, and it then moved them into thinking about, well, well, how do we mass notification? How do we send messages out to our congregation? How do we send messages out to our staff? Uh, how do we send messages out when there's an emergency telling people what to do? So it was an interesting trend for me, but one which was um, not a surprise that it was starting to come on people's radars. Yeah. And it's it's good to use whatever kind of mass notification system that you can, but you want that to be effective. Look at what happened at Virginia Tech whenever uh, they had an active violent killer on their campus and they tried sending out uh, the mass notifications via email and stuff, tell people to stay inside and all that, and people weren't getting it, or whenever they were getting it, they were freaking out, you know. Um, we need to not only utilize the resources that we have, but we need to be wise. We need to use wisdom in, in utilizing something that's going to actually legitimately work in the timely manner that we need it to work. Um, and so with with social media and, and the attacks that, that have been going up, you know, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, churches have been coming under very significant attacks. If you if if you attend a church that uh, stands on on truly biblical foundational truths and are willing to speak that out, then you will be persecuted. You know, you are going to be under um uh, ridicule. Uh, the word promises us that Jesus literally said that in this world you will have trials and you will have tribulations. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He has overcome the world, and he said that if if um, you um, if you're ashamed of me before men, then I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. You know, we we do have a a responsibility as Christians to be bold and to proclaim the truth. Um, but we also have been told to be wise. Um, Proverbs tells us that a, um, a prudent person sees danger coming and they, they make preparations for it, but the, but the fool sees it coming and continues on, you know, and then pays the penalty for it. And we are supposed to prepare to the best of our abilities. And any time that we have people that are, that are under our responsibility that we care for, then we are their protectors. We truly are. It's, it really is our responsibility because we are the true first responder. You know, you've said it before, and, and even being in law enforcement, 
if I hear a call come out, you know, and somebody's being hurt, uh, I'm going to try to get there as fast as I can. But whenever seconds count, the police are only minutes away, you know. It's too and long. It's, minutes is too long. It's too long. It's literally too, too long. And we are the true first responders, the people that are there on scene. So we have to know how to properly and appropriately respond in those types of situations. And a big, a big part of that is being able to communicate very quickly all of the information that you need. You can't be picking up your cell phone trying to send out a, a, a call or a text to somebody when somebody's literally right there in the room with you trying to cause you harm. Like, it's just not feasible. So, yeah, and imagine I had a, a incident here in Minnesota, I think it was 20, 2018, 2019, where there was going to be a protest at a church found on social media or on, on Facebook. Uh, they were hosting an event. We had a controversial speaker, which a lot of churches have speakers that, you know, um, uh, could be considered controversial. And we knew that this group might turn up. And well, I said to the church, I said, if they do turn up, what is the message? They said, well, we can't let them in. I said, well, be prepared that you might be stood on the doors to the church, which is open, everyone's welcome. But you've got to say to this group, you're not welcome to come in and then understand what it looks like. And lo and behold, Nate, this group turned up. They were streaming live on Facebook mm-hmm. and they asked to come in the church and the pastor, and it was uh, an Episcopalian church, uh, and the priest had to say, no, your reverend, I guess it was an Episcopal church, said, no, you know, you can't come in, you're not welcome for these reasons. And all they wanted to get was that, that narrative saying, we're not welcome to come in your church. He said, well, you are welcome, but you're not welcome under these circumstances. So, you know, these things do happen. And that reverend, now I've got the the name of the clergy, right? That reverend at the Episcopal Church, he spoke with a lot more confidence because he had had one or two hours to think, what is this conversation going to look like when someone's coming to me? And like I said, that was being streamed live on on Facebook. So it does does happen, real, real considerations, yeah. Yeah, we've got to know that those things are happening. And then back to the technology part of that, because we're being able to pick up these things a little bit in advance, hopefully, um, due to these people putting it out on social media, um, we can also utilize camera systems that have facial recognition software in them. We can download that from their social media. We can get the information that we need, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if it's if it's something like that, or if it's even a domestic violence situation where somebody has an ex parte against another person and they're not supposed to be on the same property, if you've received threats from people and you've had to trespass people, nobody wants to trespass someone out of a church. Like we want people in church, but what we do should should ultimately amplify the overall goals and objectives of, of a church, you know, providing that um, place of comfort, refuge worship, learning, and sharing the gospel. I mean, that's literally what we're supposed to be doing in a church. And if we do security right, if we do our job right, it's going to truly amplify the overall goal and mission of the church. And we can utilize all of these tips, these tools, the techniques um, in order to better what we're doing and how we do it. Yeah, that's true. And then the fifth one, uh, which I saw was a greater emphasis on online training as a statement. And maybe because I have my Worship Security Academy, I know you've got online training. You know, I and mean, I always say to people that there is no way to sustain in-person training. We, I think everyone would agree in the industry that in-person training 
it is the gold standard and it's what everyone should be doing but there's not a way for one smaller churches to do it regularly or, or sustain those skills so um it was pleasing for me to really see my online platform grow in 2022 because i built it for, for that very reason so um you know i think online training is part of the future whether we like it or not it has to be there for sustainment training so that was definitely a trend last year i know you, um, you guys have got your own platform as well how do you find people's attitudes nate between sort of in person or oh well you've got online but no one's going to watch the videos <laughs> what do you find when you when you talk about online training um exactly what you said you know um people want to be able to have that online option and that online option is another force multiplier it truly is and the I think the the key thing that people have to understand is accountability. So if they're going to have online training, they're going to make that um, they're going to make their safety security ministry actually utilize online training. Then they have to have accountability. They have to be able to say, yes, I actually watched it. This is what it was. This is what we did. This is what I went over. Um, and and you have to have consistency in it. You know, we always recommend that people have a strategic training plan so that they don't become complacent. You know, uh, I know that you had Pastor Frank Pomeroy on here a while back. Yeah. One of the things that he always says is um, the biggest uh, the biggest enemy of church safety security ministries is complacency. You know, the yes. biggest enemy that we're going to run into is complacency. I never thought it would happen here. I I uh, I don't need it. Our church doesn't need that. That would happen here. And, you know, that's that's absolutely devastating. But whenever we have these protectors that are supposed to be able to actually legitimately serve and protect and provide aid if necessary, um, if they don't have that consistently at the forefront of their mind, then it just they don't think about it, you know. And so um, then they're they find themselves getting caught up in thinking about other things, being willing to go sit down and, and play on Facebook because they're out in the foyer or they're out in the parking lot. So they lean up against a car or something, just pull out the phone and start, um, you know, texting or playing a game or something. We we absolutely can't have that. And if you can keep the keep the training in the forefront of their mind, uh, make it consistent and, and keep them accountable with it, then it's an absolutely outstanding tool. So yeah, uh, and one of the things I often hear as well is that people say, "Well, they they might not they might click for all the videos, yeah. and they might not do them." I said, "Well, they may do that, but then I would ask you, have you got the right volunteers? Have have you got the right exactly. people? Because we we can lead the horse to water, we can't make it drink. Mm -hmm. If someone if someone wants to be on the team, but isn't willing to take that time to invest in their training and growing their skills, you've got to look at, do we have the right people? So yes, there's pitfalls with online training, but I'm a great believer for sustainment, um, for governance, and for continue, continuation of learning, but they are, they are great tools. And if someone's going to skip through the stuff, kick them off the team, in my opinion, because they, they mostly shouldn't be, be there in the, in the first place. Yeah, and then... A big part of that is making sure that you have the right leader in place that's willing to to make those hard conversations, you know, to be able to say, listen, um, there are multiple areas to be able to serve in ministry, especially at this church. We love you. We want you to be able to serve. Um, but these have been the expectations that have been laid out. You agreed to those. And if you can't follow those, then we need to find another area for you to be able to serve it. You know, we're not telling you that you can't serve at all. We're just telling you that you can't serve here because these are the requirements to be able to do that. And 
um, having the right leader in place that, uh, you know, I'm a leader, you're a leader. We don't like confrontation, but we're willing to do it whenever it's necessary. And it is necessary in order, if you're going to have people that their their job, their position, their um, role is to protect people and to keep them safe, then it has to be the right person in that position. And as far as the uh, the online training and in-person training, yes, of course, uh, having in-person training is is the best because it's right there. It's in your church. You know, it's in the facility where you're going to truly be having to lock things down and where you are truly going to have to um, uh, barricade and protect your people literally right there. So they need to be able to ask questions. Well, what does this look like on this door handle or on a door that opens out or a door that opens in or with windows in there? You know, they they need the solutions. We know that that uh, anxiety and fear are driven from having a problem without a solution. And to be able to give somebody that solution, it, it greatly reduces or eliminates the fear altogether. And so it's not, it's, it's really not the, uh, the issue that people are afraid of this happening. It's they're afraid of if this happens, I don't know what to do, you know? And so for those churches, I get, we've been getting asked so much more, um, do you have an online option? You know, what are your online options? How can we combine that with the in-person yeah. training? Um, because honestly, if you can, if you can have, uh, some in-person training, especially if you've got a team with like some history and some longevity, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these teams, people cycle through quite a bit. Um, but if you have a team that's been there for a while, you know, have some in-person training and then utilize some online training to supplement that until you can have that in-person training again and and get creative in in raising funds and making the money uh, that you need for the to purchase the trainings and and to do the things that you need to get the uh, the equipment and the material that you need to be able to do your job adequately. People want to give. People want to get involved. And a lot of people, it's just like missions work, overseas missionaries, you know. I know that I'm not going to be able to go. And because I can't, though, I still know that it's it's biblical that we do send people out. Jesus says, go into all the nations, you know, proclaiming the gospel. And so it's biblical. But if I can't personally go, then I'm going to help fund those people to go. And my church, you know, just like your church and, and all these other churches, generally, if you have if you have um, a missions board or a missions team that wants to go out or you want to build up your youth, your youth minister or something, you let the people know, you put it up on your announcements, you know, put it in the bulletin and give people an opportunity to give to it. It's exactly the same with the safety security ministry because everybody knows that it's not getting better. Everyone's watching the news. Everybody's talking. They see that the schools and churches are getting uh, getting shot up and burned and, and everything on a very consistent basis. So it's not like it's not like we're hiding anything. And the people that Whenever you let them know that you you recognize that and you're taking steps to keep them safe, then they're so much more willing to uh, to give to that and be part of that. And you never know; you might even be drawing people out of the crowd that truly have a, a, a servant's heart and warrior's mind. You know, like they they really want to do that. And so, and you might not have known. You know, you might be opening it up to uh, to bring in people that will really be able to help amplify your overall safety security goals just by letting them know that you're doing this. Yeah, the last just point on online learning is that the, the great tool of it is that you can 
take it wherever you are. You can be on a bus, on a train, you know, stand at home yeah. on your couch, and you can take the modules slowly over time. So um, the biggest thing that I hear people say is, well, Simon, I don't have the time. When online learning removes some of that because you can just take 5, 10, 15 minutes when you, when you go. So, well, mate, it's been a great conversation. We're going to quickly recap those five trends from last year. So if you want to write these down, people grab a pen and paper. But the first one was an increased use of technology uh, and you can apply for a non-profit security grant program. The second was a greater emphasis on mental health and emotional well-being training. Uh, the third was more churches coming forward for active shooter training. The fourth was the use of social media and messaging to share mass communications. And the fifth one was a great emphasis on online training and sustainment. So they, uh, a great conversation. I was surprised it took us so long to get us off the ground, but we're too, we just spoke about online training, but we're too busy schedules. We're not surprised yeah. it took, took so long. Yeah, for sure. Man, I sure do appreciate you having us out. Um, we love what you do. And again, seriously, um, I, I love your books. I love the podcast that you put out. It's a phenomenal resource for people. And I can't encourage people more. Please take the time to watch these podcasts, to literally listen to them, to take the time to read the books um, and get that knowledge and, and wisdom for yourself and ask God to reveal to you what he wants you to to be able to receive and retain out of it. Man, it's uh, it's so awesome. And thank you for everything that you do, Simon. You're you're a wonderful friend and uh, a great ally in this in this uh, this realm of, of security. Thank you for listening to the Church Security Made Simple podcast. If you're looking for training on how to keep you and your church community safe, or if you're interested in working with me on my five-week group coaching program, please head over to worshipsecurity.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening. Now, I'll be back with you on the next episode. But until then, stay safe, have a blessed day. And remember, always plan, prepare and protect your ministry.